this kind of uh, merry-go-round that the world has embraced and, and down this rabbit hole they went, you know, uh, being PC and being, uh, you know, totally subservient to whatever people are being told uh, of how they should think. And, uh, and now, you know, it's, it's escalating and it's snowballing out of all control. And, um, but in Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow builds her nests and raises her young at a place near your altar, O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God. What joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Zion, to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. O Lord God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. O God, look with favor upon the king, our shield. Show favor to the one you have anointed. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper or a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God, he is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Amen. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And um, there's so many interesting things that are raised there, you know. And, and Lord, we just worship you. We, we, we declare today, Lord, you are our God and our King. And, and we just praise you, Father. Just mute that there as well. It's done. Okay. So I don't lose concentration. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when it says here, when God's people walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. And what I was just thinking there, you know, hope is the anchor of our soul. And so for people, you know, there are so many people in the world today that are, are struggling massively. Uh, with, with all kinds of torment and fear and anguish. And the thing is, is if they don't know the word of God, then they have no hope. And if they have no hope, they have nothing to anchor them to stability. You, you get that picture of this giant ship out in the ocean. And say, for instance, there's some kind of a storm or, there, or maybe it's one of those, you know, um, ships that carry... Uh, you know those um, weapons and all that kind of stuff what are they called those, um, those air, aircraft aircraft carriers and all those you know when they're out in the middle of the ocean and they're doing their maneuvers or their training or whatever and they're anchored by you know this anchor that, that launches down to the bottom of the floor of the ocean and just kind of um, sticks in there just like a pickaxe would, would, would fall in, into soil and 
that anchors the whole of that huge ship, no matter, and you know, I'm not sure where, in, in the ocean, when you get into the water and get into the sea, you can feel the power of the ocean. When you go and you see the, the waves crashing um, at the coast and you see the power of the ocean, you know, man has never been able to, to uh, manipulate or, or control that. And you think of the power of the sea and the, and the heavy weight of the waves and the way they, they move things and, and even erode coastline. And yet that ship out there can remain steady in that place and, and, and stay in that area and not, not move because that anchor has gripped the, the earth. And so hope is the anchor of our soul. And so for many people who are experiencing and, and dealing with all kinds of traumatic anxiety and, and uh, you know, there's such anxiety uh, that's prevalent in society, in our culture, and people have no, uh, you know, way of dealing with it other than, say, medication or, or, or going to see a therapist to try and talk, talk, you know, um, talk ministry. And yet the word of God uh, is, is, you know, it, it's like an undiscovered gem. It's like an undiscovered oil uh, field. And, and that when people will discover it, and, and know what God's word says, what happens is there's a, a change inside of the person and that person starts to get strong and starts to get anchored and steady. And, uh, you know, so even when, like he says here in verse six, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. It will become a place as, as one spends time with my God and my king. What happens is, is that, Yes, maybe the circumstances aren't perfect, but now, because of my relationship with him, there's, a, there's something different about me. And that's what David wrote here. Um, sorry, not David. This was Korah. Uh, the, song, the sons of Korah wrote this. But a day in your courts is better than a thousand. And, um, you know, right through the word of God, it's in Psalm 90, it's in this Psalm 84, it's in um, Revelation 19 or 20, we might look at it soon. It's in First Peter um, as well, Ch Peter chapter 3. It says that a day in God's court is as a thousand years here. So, you know, there's such uh, eternity, we don't understand how uh, the vastness of eternity and we try and pinhole everything. And that's why, you know, when people are going through hard times, it's like all hell has broken loose and you can think of nothing else. And yet, in the, in the whole scheme of eternity, this is only a drop in the ocean. And this is how people can, what I've seen anyway, in my own life even, if, if you look back and, and see difficult times and seasons that you went through, that you thought, is this ever going to end? You know, and, and yet now that I look back, I see that God brought me through it and brought me out the other side. And, and you know, that that was, uh, you know, there's such healing in God's presence that now I can look back and say, look at, you know, how much I learned there. Look at how I saw God defend me. Look at how I saw him deliver me and, and rescue me. And, you know, all of you are the same if you really stop to think. You know, the thing is, is that reading the Word of God or studying the Bible is not about just saying, right, I'll read two Psalms today, two chapters of John, and something in the book of Acts. 
You know, it's not about just just reading information. It's about meditating on, on God's word, meditating on who he is and on what he has done and starting to look at your life as a whole and see, you know, Lord, now that I think back and look there, I see, you know, what happened there, what attack or what assignment. I see it. And, and I also see how you, you know, and, and this is what relationship is. And so that's why he's saying here, I would rather be a gatekeeper. I would rather be the lowest of the low kind of servant in the house of my God than to dwell in, the, in all the richness of the houses of the wicked. And you know, what's going on in the, in the earth right now is that people are getting consumed and sucked into such uh, delusion and deception evil and sin and and they have dabbled with it for so long that now they're you know it's 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 taking them over and destroying them and they have had no moral compass to see the trouble that was up ahead and uh, i just think that you know that for mankind you know we have an issue and a problem because of the fact that that um you know, when we sinned, we came under the influence of Satan. And, and you know, that's what Jesus spoke to those Pharisees and, and rulers and religious ones that were, were you know, harassing him and, and making plans to kill him. He told them, uh, they, they said, your father is our father and our father is Abraham. And he said, Abraham is not your father. Because if Abraham was your father, you would know who I was. He said, your father is the devil. And he spoke it out quite plainly to them. And, you know, this, this is the truth of the matter, is that if somebody is not serving God and does not know him, um, uh, you know, it, it's, I wrote about it in, in, I'm sure it was this week's one, in the Outlook, where it says, you know, in Jeremiah, people will boast about everything. They'll boast in their wealth, they'll boast in their work, they'll boast in their, in their intellect, they'll boast in their family. And he said, don't let them boast in anything, only this that you know the Lord, the God, the creator of heaven, and that he is the Lord. And you see, there's a difference between knowing that, oh yeah, God is God, but there's a difference in knowing he's God and in, in knowing that he is Lord and making him Lord over your life. And sadly, even amongst many Christians, I'll tell you, you know, they don't know God, they don't know Jesus as Lord. They might know that, you know, they might fulfill some religious rituals, but, uh, you know, there's no relationship there. And that's why Jesus said, at the end of time, there's going to be people who are coming up to him saying, how come I'm left out? I did this in your name and I did that in your name. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And that knowing, it's the same relationship as a man who knows his wife, a woman who knows her husband, who is intimate with him. Who, you know, the sexual relationship between a man and a wife, that's called knowing, uh, you know, that intimacy. And God says that that relationship we have with him is on the same level. You know, he's not talking about a sexual relationship, but he's saying that same intimacy of knowing everything about each other, of cherishing each other, of loving each other. And so, you know, uh, you want to ask why people are full of anxiety, why there's such confusion and chaos? It's because they don't know God. And uh, here, you know, the reason they don't know God is because they're full of pride. And we've all been there. This is not a word of condemnation. All of us are there, and we battle with it. 
Pride is something that, that the enemy uses to try and uh, get people puffed up so that it quenches the spirit of God. You know, God cannot dwell with sin. And, uh, you know, haughtiness and pride is a massive issue. And we do get haughty. And, you know, the Lord points it out to us. He says he disciplines those he loves. And so, you know, where we've been haughty and, and many people, you know, they don't want to, to serve and they don't want to lower themselves or to humble themselves because it requires a change in lifestyle and a change in attitude. And, and what God talks about humility, he's not talking about humiliation. And, you know, that's the way the world sees humility. Oh, well, I wouldn't lower myself to do that. But this is what he's saying here. I would rather be a gatekeeper, a doorkeeper, safe in the house of my God. There's a safety and a protection. You know, you just read that there in verse, what joy for those in verse 4. Who can live and dwell in your house. They are always singing your praises. And, you know, it's, it's, it's God who gets the glory, not man. Um, praise God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, let's have a look at John chapter 14. John. In John 14, he's speaking to his disciples here. Are you glad you're here? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. This is Jesus speaking. And he's telling us, do not let your heart be troubled. What's the first thing that when there's some kind of crisis or some kind of chaos or hassle or problem that sets up, you know, you can feel it in your heart and feel it in your head. It's just like, and, and the Lord is saying here, don't let your heart be troubled. Make sure that you, you stop it. Stop going down there, down that hole, because it's, it's a hole of destruction. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If it were not so, he says, there's many rooms in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. And here comes Thomas. No, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would have known who my Father is. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is the conversation he had with those Pharisees as well when he told them that their father was the devil. You know, it was a big eye-opener for them. People don't like to be told that kind of thing. You know, we're very PC in how we, we you know, move around on eggshells regarding people. But it was the truth he told them. And it was here he said to them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you see, it's so difficult for us to grasp that because we want to see everything in front of us. And we want to know everything. But, you know, it's, it's God who knows everything. And it is for such a time that, he, you know, he releases uh, the things we need to know. And... Uh, 
He said, Jesus said, you know, I'm coming back for you. And there's plenty of room in my father's house. Holy Spirit, I just ask you here today, in Jesus' name, that you would open up our understanding and give us wisdom in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we just go back for a minute? If you go back with me to Isaiah chapter 10. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your word here today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't go further into this. And I just want to explain this to you. In verse 27, it says, In that day, in that day that the Lord deals with his, his people's enemies, okay, who were in this situation, the Assyrians. And we spoke about, you know, the Assyrians were, were cruel oppressors. They were violent and they were, they were uh, you know, swarming. So where you see uh, that kind of feelings or emotions or, or problems going on, that, that it feels like you've got a problem on every corner, that it feels like you have no way of overcoming um, this situation, where you hear the enemy speaking into your ear saying, what God is going to rescue you? How, how, you know, you're not big enough, you're not strong enough, you're not powerful enough. And uh, that's what that Assyrian spirit is. It's a demon spirit. And it needs to be recognized. It's, it's, it's a kind of a Jezebel, really, uh, you know, dominating and, and, and uh, trying to exert uh, cruel oppression on people. And so anywhere where you see somebody who's, who's dealing with oppression or depression or any kind of anxiety, you know, that thing needs to be identified and bound um, and broken. And so what the Lord says is that in that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery and lift it from their shoulders. That's a beautiful picture of what relationship with God uh, accomplishes is that there's this union where, uh, you know, coming into that secret place, just like we read there in, in Psalm 84, dwelling in the house of the Lord, there's joy and rejoicing. Well, there can't be joy and rejoicing unless there's been, you know, uh, something lifted and, and broken off that was causing oppression. And I just want to read it to you from the Amplified. It says, and it shall be in that day, that the burden, the Assyrian, so that demon enemy, shall depart from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the fatness which prevents it from going around your neck, the Amplified says. And in another version it says, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Okay, so what's the anointing? People talk about the anointing and, and think of it as some kind of a mantle or some kind of a, and it is, uh, some kind of a, an ability to do something, and it is. But the anointing ultimately is the presence of God. And like we read in Psalm 84, you know, there is strength that comes from God. He said, what joy for those who are filled with your strength. And so there's strength that comes from, from having this relationship with God. And here Isaiah likens it to having a fatness in the neck. 
think about the neck. I remember years ago, I'll just tell you a funny one. Uh, my brother, my youngest brother was, was only like um, three or four. But he was a he was built like a tank. Uh, you know, he never stopped drinking bottles of milk. And um, he passed in the table one day, passed my father. And because uh, there was like, um, you know, seating in around the side there. So he had to climb over dad. And he climbed over him anyway. And dad said, hello, big neck. Because <laughs> he, he had such a big neck. And <laughs> my brother turned around to him and he said, he picked his nose and he says, hello, big nose. <laughs> he was sorry, he said that. But uh, it was really funny. But the thing is, is that what does the neck do? You know, the neck and the shoulders are where, it's, it's, it's what carries the whole weight of the body, you know. And if you think about it, when you see people who are um, dealing with any kind of oppression, whether that's a physical sickness or deformity, or, you know, you often see it in the way that they're bent over. And it's, it's a real uh, manifestation of, of a burden, of, of, of a weight or of oppression. And, you know, we, if you go to the gym or anything, they'll, we, we had it long ago, you know, they, they would teach you to stand up straight, that your posture was so important because it carries your whole, your whole body. And so here what the Lord's saying is, is that the, the enemy has brought a burden that has tried to bend, uh, you know, and break his people by, by, by causing oppression on them. But because of the anointing, because of the, the relationship with God that, that uh, causes this, his strength to fill you, that, uh, and, and he's saying here, you know, the yoke will be broken and so, again, you've got a, a sort of, because of the culture of the day, you've got a kind of an agricultural, um, you know, um, connotation here to the, the oxen that would have been doing the plowing. They would have been yoked together. We know it from Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus said, you know, um, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why did he say that? My burden is light. Not only is it light as in light that penetrates, but easy and light would also indicate that there's no weight attached to the burden of knowing God. And that in actual fact, rather than him, you know, uh, weighing you down, it's actually that he's lifting you and carrying you and holding you. And so he's saying here that the yoke will be broken because of the fatness of your neck. And so turn around to your neighbor and say, hello, fat neck. <laughs> You've got a fat neck. Yeah, you need a fat neck. Do you know why? Because the, the fatness in the neck is the, is the anointing. And so that's what he's saying is that that yoke will have to burst open because the neck will be too fat for it. Because the strength that comes from knowing God and from seeing him, this is, is really, you know, I think life-changing to understand this. Yeah. That where the enemy has tried to bring people into bondage and into slavery, yeah. whether it's through a sickness or a disease or even, you know, a past abuse or, or difficult dysfunction, childhood, marriage, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, or where the enemy is trying to bring oppression even on nations and on people groups, on governments, uh, with, with all of these, you know, globalist woke agendas that are seeking to, to oppress people. Well, what did the word of God say about Jesus? Let's have a look at it in Acts chapter 10. Thank you, Jesus. 
He's the yoke-destroying mighty God. There is no God like him. Acts chapter 10. Can't even find the book of Acts. (laughs) There we go. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. We'll just read just the one sentence. This was when Paul was, or Peter was, was uh, speaking to Cornelius and all of his family and all of these Gentiles. It was the breakout moment where the gospel was now being brought to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And he said in verse 38, And you know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You see, when God was with Jesus and had anointed him with his Holy Spirit and power, that's how the healing came, because the anointing destroys the yoke, and the bondage of slavery is broken. So turn around to your neighbor again and say, the, sla- the bondage of slavery is broken. God has uh, defeated your, your enemies. He's defeated your enemies. Amen? And so it's, it's from that place of knowing him. And, you know, I would encourage you to, to uh, you know, get involved in, in church. Get involved in, in seeing, you know, asking the Lord, what is it that you have planned for me? You know, there's, there's things that are going on in your life, in your home life, in your work life, in, in dreams and visions the Lord has put inside of you. And he wants to use you uh, in that area. He wants to use you to be an encourager to people. You know, a church is not about a building. It's about your life. We are the ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones who have been consecrated and appointed by God for such a time as this. And, you know, God always uses a remnant and he gives his people wisdom and sharpness. And I just pray, Lord, that you would increase our sharpness and our discernment. Let's pray that together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your anointing, your presence, the Holy Spirit who lives lives inside of me and is joined between me and you so that Lord you are speaking to me I ask you Holy Spirit bring revelation of the plans that God has for my future for my family plans to do me good and not for evil give me discernment and wisdom help me to see, Help me to see. The, way that you see. the way that you see in Jesus name, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen so you know uh, what we read there in John 14 if you just want to go back to it that's what Jesus said you know that he's going to be with the father he's going to prepare a place for us you know that God has a place for you Amen. think about that he has a place for you he's, he's, he's putting together a uh, a beautiful place for you in heaven, but he's a place, what he's really talking about here is he's a place for you in, in Christ. You're part of his family. You're his son or you're his daughter. And, uh, you know, he has a call on your life. And it, this is what <coughs> Jesus was saying here. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And uh, he went on, Philip went on to say, Lord, will you show us the Father? And um, that's in verse 8. And Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show you? 
Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone, say anyone, 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 yeah. anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Listen, this was Jesus' um, mandate for his life, to bring glory to his Father and it should be ours too. And so, you know, when you get up in the morning, uh, uh, you know, that should be what we think of. Lord, will you use me today to bring glory and honor to your name? Let everything I say bring glory to your name, O God. Let everything I do bring glory to you, Father. You know, and it's a very different way to live. And uh, he went on then to promise that he would bring the Holy Spirit. He said, I will give you, if you uh, obey my commandments... If you love me, obey my commandments. Verse 15. Much overlooked. <laughs> if you love me, obey my commandments. Oh. I love you, Lord. Right. Obey my commandments. Um, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. You want to know why, why the world is under such delusion and deception? Why people who are caught up in all kinds of sin and, uh, you know, confusion, why they don't, why they are like that? Because they don't know the truth. And it's the Holy Spirit who brings, who brings revelation. He leads people into the truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and now he later will be in you. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So, you know, this is another reason. Is, is because people don't know the Lord because they're living as an orphan. Because whatever circumstances in life that have been difficult have sort of groomed them to think a certain way about themselves, about others, about the world around them. And so I just want to lead you in a prayer there as well. And we just say this together. Father, Father I, ask you I ask you to forgive me, forgive me for, entertaining for entertaining an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit. I, choose I choose to believe, to believe your, word your word that you love me. I break all association with the orphan spirit. The orphan spirit. I, renounce I renounce it. And I ask you, Jesus, ask you, Jesus to cleanse me, cleanse me and my bloodline, and my bloodline. With, your with your precious blood. And I thank you. I am not an orphan. I am your child. Amen. Amen. And that's the truth. If you believe nothing else today when you go out of here, just believe that. You've got to change the mindset that you're in this on your own. That it's you has to work this out. Yeah. You know, you are his son, you are his daughter. Uh, you know, you look at any parent, any good parent, the way they treat their son or the way they treat their daughter, they do anything for them, they lay down their life for them. You know, they, and, and this is the relationship that God has for you. He loves you so much. 
and you are not an orphan. And you know what the orphan does? The orphan spirit, is it controls many people. It gets them to hate themselves, to hate others, and it gets them to strive to make their own way in life. I have to have all the answers here. I have to, you know, I'm a self-made man. I'm a, a self-made woman. I'm a, I, you know, I, I'm well able to do this in myself. And, and this is why people get broken. It's why people have breakdowns. Because our flesh <laughs> was never built for that. And our souls certainly never were. Our soul is our mind and our emotions. And our emotions can get bruised and crushed, you know, even at a sentence that somebody would speak. Somebody can say something that can crush a person. Uh, something can happen to somebody, a traumatic experience, and it can crush them or break them. And so if they've been relying on their own strength and their own, having their own answers for all these things, you know, that's where the breakdown comes. So you are not an orphan. Amen? Amen. And so he went on to say um, in verse 23, all who love me will do what I say. <laughs> there again is a really short, simple sentence. All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them. And we will come and make our home with each one of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift. Say, yippee, <laughs> yippee. God has given us a gift. What's this gift? Peace of mind and heart. Oh my God. You know how many billionaires are out there today that would give uh, millions and millions if they could just have peace of mind and heart. There's people who are shooting up, you know, all kinds of, cocaine and drugs and alcohol just to numb and, and the pain and step out of, of reality for a while in order to just get some peace. It's, you know, it's the thing that cannot be bought and yet God has given it to us as a free gift. The peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled. Here he comes again. This is what he started the chapter with and now he's, he's here again. Don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. Hallelujah. He said, if you, I've told you these things before they happen so that when they will happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of the world approaches. He has no power over me. But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. And then he went on to say, to tell them that he is the vine and that we are the branches. And I just want to challenge you with this. I know there's so much going on in the world and so many, you know, people doing crazy things and awful things. But if we are obeying God's if we love Jesus we will obey his commandments and if we are dwelling with God then we are the branches and he is the vine and we need to be producing fruit 
And the fruit that God requires of us to produce is to love other people, is to love them, to love. He said, love, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so you have to love yourself and love your neighbor. So God's highest calling on a person is to love. Now, if we are part of the vine, you know, the fruit that we're producing needs to be love in all of its fullness. What comes with love? Peace. You think of the fruits of the spirit. Joy, loving kindness, uh, you know, um, and peace and and self-control, self-discipline. All of these things. And I just want to challenge you. If you look back with me in Deuteronomy 32. I know I've often gone there to this scripture. But you want to understand why your enemies are acting like they are. You want to understand why um, the world's gone crazy. And all these people are, are, are you know, doing these ridiculous things. Uh, awful things. Evil things. Stupid things. In ver- uh, this is Deuteronomy 32. This is what's called the Song of Moses. And um, anyway, just to cut for time. In verse... <coughs> What is that? Uh, 28-29 Oh that they were wise and could understand Oh yeah he says there in the previous verse These people are foolish They have no discernment And they are without understanding We prayed there earlier That the Lord will give us discernment And give us wisdom This is what you need When you're dealing with people when you're dealing with sicknesses, when you're dealing with work situations or family problems, you need discernment. Because you can be talking till the cows come home or you can be binding and rebuking and praying. But like, if, if you don't have perception and understanding and, and discernment, you know, you're firing things and they're, you know. So it, it's, it's to know God. And that's what he's saying is, you know, they, they're foolish without understanding. Oh, that they were wise and could understand this. You know, to be able to lift up a shield of, of protection, a hedge of God's protection around your family, around your loved ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, to know how to pray. In order to know how to pray, in order to have discernment, you need to know God. And that's what he was saying here. These people had turned away from God. They were full of religion. They had tons of religious activities, but they didn't know him. And so he says, um, oh, that they might know their fate. How one person, how could one person chase a thousand of them and two people put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? And why, why did the Lord, you know, why did he say he'd given them up? Because they were rebellious. And they were going their own way and doing their own thing. They had turned their back on God and rejected him. And so he said, but the rock of our enemies is not like our rock. And that's the capital rock, capital R. As even they recognized, their vine grows from the vine of Sodom. Another version says they are attached to a vine of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
So he says, their vine grows from the vine of Sodom and the vineyards of Gomorrah. Their grapes are poison and their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the venom of serpents, the deadly poison of cobras. And so if we want to pray and, and really, um, you know, minister uh, and, and in such a way that everything we do gives glory to God the way Jesus did, we have to recognize that you know, we need to be part of his vine and producing fruit for him, but that there are other vines. And this one is identified here, the vine of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's where that evil uh, was coming from. That, and and the, the, it was producing fruit. It says the grapes are poison and their clusters are bitter. So where there's poisonous and bitterness and from what we're seeing Right now, in the world playing around us, it's all bitterness, poison, division, strife, hatred, jealousy, anger, all kinds of evil, uh, you know, murders, and, and all kinds of, of craziness and delusion. It's because they're attached to another vine. And so, you know, when you start seeing things in the newspapers or on the news, start praying for those people. Lord, I pray that whatever vine that they're attached to, the vine of Sodom and Gomorrah, that you would, that that would be severed and broken and that they would turn to you and that they would, that they would call upon you, Jesus, and that they would be saved. You know, you, you are never fulfilling God's heart more than when you are interceding and crying out for his children. And if you just to finish in, in um, Peter... <coughs> Second Peter chapter 3, sorry, Second Peter, not First Peter. This was Peter's um, final commendation before he went to be with the Lord. And he said, I want you to remember all what the, the prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded you. And in verse uh, this is 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers or mockers will come, mocking the truth and following their own evil desires. It's already written here what's happening in the world around us. And what's at the root of an awful lot of, of the crazy wokeness and transgender and all this stuff is a scoffing, mocking spirit. And you'll notice that when you try to talk to people about the Lord. You, if you have discernment, you'll pick it up straight away. Yeah. And, you know, what you need to do is bind that scoffing, mocking spirit because they're headed for destruction. And if they don't, you know, they may not listen to you. And what you've got to do is just pray. Pray for God's mercy for them. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming back again. Does this remind you of anybody of what we looked at a couple of weeks ago? That Assyrian, uh, that Assyrian commander Sennacherib, and he said, "What God will save you? Who's going to come to rescue you?" And you know, the devil has 
no creative ability whatsoever. It's the same old trash that he spews out from generation to generation. You think the transgender and all that stuff is new? It's not. There's nothing new under the sun. Uh, you know, it's just that now, because of social media, it's plastered everywhere. And all these, you know, garmless idiots are speaking it uh, out, you know, and, and they don't even realize. Uh, you want to look and see what's happening above to our national broadcaster? What kind of trash has been spewing out of there the last few years? You're going to watch and see. The enemy is going to start slaughtering each other. Amen. And the church, all the church needs to do is sit back yeah. and keep praying, keep declaring God's goodness, Amen. keep proclaiming his, his promises, and, and keep trusting in, in the Lord because God is faithful and he will never fail and Amen. his word will never fail. And they are reaping a reward and I would, you know, tell you, uh, watch and see anyway. But anyway, because that's only the start of it. What happened? This is what, it, what the enemy scoffs. What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. This was Peter who said this. Everything has remained the same. They deliberately forget the God, that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, this is verse 7 of Second Peter 3. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything in it will be found to deserve judgment. It will be laid bare. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's explosive. And, uh, you know, the... the, the environmentalists who all are very genuine I have no doubt very genuine people and are genuinely frightened they're genuinely frightened because they don't know God they're worshipping the creation and not the creator and the earth will pass away and everything on this earth will be judged by fire and all that will remain are the work you know we read it there in John 14 that Jesus said you will do the works that I have done and even greater works than these and, uh, okay, I know I said that was to finish, but uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians. Oh, golly, where is it now? Where is it? It could be 2 Corinthians, or maybe it's 1 Corinthians 3. Oh, yeah, it's 1 Corinthians 3. I'm just going to stop this for 
in First um, Corinthians three verse ten, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Paul said, "Now others are building on it," and you know that's something that I love that because the whole body is a team. And Paul was saying here, some people were saying, well, I'll only follow Paul and I'll only follow Apollos. He said, who's Paul and who's Apollos? He said, we just sowed the seed. He said, I sowed the seed, Apollos watered it, but it's God that makes it grow. Mm -hmm. And you know, the sooner the church realizes that as well, that this is a team and it's not, there's no solo stars and celebrities in God's kingdom. We are all his children, his sons and his daughters. We've all been appointed and anointed. And, you know, how we should be looking at each other is, how fat is your neck? <laughs> oh, you've got a good, strong neck there. That anointing is strong in your life. Um, so he said, uh, whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. And we sang that song earlier, Cornerstone. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay or straw. It doesn't matter. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, that builder will suffer great loss. The building will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. You get that picture. You know, and people are building kingdoms. They're building empires for themselves, even in churches, uh, in families, in businesses, in institutions, in nations. People have always, it's, it's, that, um, it's that demonic um, spirit really you know in, in Isaiah 14 God said that that's what Satan said I will build my kingdom and I will ascend to God's throne and I will and so he's saying here be careful about the work you're doing is it really the work God has called you to be and you know there are many people and they're off doing uh, their own thing uh, and, and it's not what God has called them to be at all and there are many others who are, you know, slogging away and they're saying, what's happening? Nothing is changing. And yet, God, you know, at the end of time, you will see that that fire, when it's tested by fire, that that work will stand. Amen. And so don't ever, don't ever assume just because something looks amazing that it's from God. Because that's what he's saying here. It, it will be tested by fire. And then he goes on to say, don't you all know that you are the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that the Spirit of God lives in you? And God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, because God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you're wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to be truly wise. And that's what we read earlier in Psalm 84. You know, the doorkeeper, he was just the guy who opened and shut the door. <laughs> he wasn't any great uh, servant in the house of God or in, 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 the, in the king's house. He just opened and closed the door. But that's what he was writing there. I would rather be just a doorkeeper, but be inside in, in, my, in my God's house than to be in the house of the wicked and to be... And, and so the world considers these things foolish. Why do you think there's so few people here? Because the world is busy. And what I've been thinking of this week is, 
you know, for anyone who's, who's serving, who's truly serving God, you know, God speaks to people, and, and maybe we'll have a look at it next week, but I've just been looking at the life of Joseph and how God spoke to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Joseph had this dream when he was a young child, mm-hmm. and he told it to all his brothers and even his father, and they all, you know, the brothers hated him, and the father told him he was a bit of an Egypt. <laughs> and, uh, but it said the father did think about what he had said. But you see, they were living the high life and, uh, you know, everything was fine for them. And then Joseph went through uh, serious wilderness experiences where he was wronged, he was lied about, he was imprisoned, he was hated, uh, you know. And yet God's hand, God's anointing, he had a fat neck, Joseph had. God's anointing was on his life, his favor was on his life, and everything he did prospered. And everyone around him in these imprisoned places recognized it. And then he was brought to the Pharaoh, to the king. And the king had a dream. And the king's dream and Joseph's dream finally met. And it was like it clicked into place and took off. And Joseph was used by God uh, to save the world, basically, because the whole world was consumed by famine. But because God had a heart that was open to him, a humble heart, and Joseph, you know, his family, uh, except his father, had forgotten about him, uh, and, and nobody was concerned that he was inside in a prison for 13 years rotting. Well, he wasn't rotting because he was actually running the prison. But... <laughs> You know what I mean? He was, no one was concerned that he was put into prison. He wasn't even given a trial for the, the alleged uh, assault on, on Potiphar's wife. Talk about wrong, you know, wrongs that were done to him. And yet, you know, the cream came to the top because God elevated him and brought him. He'd already given him that dream. And so I would encourage you, you know, that God is speaking to you. He's been speaking to you since the day you were conceived in the womb, the day you were born, even all through your childhood. God has been ministering to you. It's time for you to take a step back and to start to look to see, yes, Lord, I see that you were with me there. And it's time for you to, start, you know, to humble yourself, really, because we have to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand and, and allow him to elevate us. And repent, I suppose, as well, you know, of the times that we have been full of pride. But um, are we finished? Yeah. That was 1 Corinthians 3. So let's break bread to, to finish the creep. Father, we, we praise you and thank you today. Thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence, O oh God. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. We pray that... You know, that you would put a heart of gratefulness and thankfulness in us. You know, because sometimes I think that, especially when things are rough and and difficult, it's very hard to be thankful, you know, or to remember to be thankful. Because all you're thinking about is, poor me. (laughs) Look at poor me. Look at, you know, or whatever. And the thing is, is that there's no breakthrough in poor me. But there is breakthrough in... Oh God, how great you are. I thank you. You know, and uh, so let's pray. Father God, God, in the name of Jesus, Jesus, your son, son, I come to you today today, and I take this bread bread in remembrance remembrance of the body of Jesus Jesus that was broken broken and given for me me 
so that I could be healed and restored and made whole. Lord Jesus, I renounce every curse, all association with the works of darkness, religious spirits, spirits of infirmity and affliction, self-pity, pride and haughtiness. I repent and take accountability for those things and for any agreement between me and the enemy. I ask you to cleanse me, my bloodline, from all association with every demonic agent. And I eat this bread. I eat, I eat healing and wholeness in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You can take the bread. This is something we really need to understand as well, is that, you know, we have been involved with things in the past. Our families, our forefathers and foremothers have been steeped in idolatry, in false god worship, in the worship of their own hands, the work of their own hands, you know, in pride and in haughtiness. Because, believe me, you know, in all the things that we've mentioned there today, it's not just me or it's not just you. It's all of them as well. You know, because all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And because the devil has no new tricks Every one of those generations have fallen for the same things. And that's why it's so important to repent and to, you know, take accountability for the sins of the fathers and mothers when something comes up and you realize it. And, you know, to repent for it generationally so that generationally it is broken now over the next generations to come. Praise God. So let's take the cup. Lord Jesus, this cup represents your blood that was shed for me. You gave your life so that I would not have to. You became curse on that cross so that I could be set free from all curse and from all the power of the enemy. I take this cup and I rejoice, and I rejoice in, God in God my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, ask you, Lord to for, as you have forgiven me, and I now choose to forgive those, all of them, who have hurt me, who have wronged me, or my ancestors. I ask you to forgive them. And I release forgiveness and all offense out of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is something that's so important to do as well. You can take the cup. Because that's something that comes up as well. You know, there are times and, uh, you know, you have um, dealt with stuff and then you 
open the word of God or the Lord reveals something to you or, or you, there's some teaching or something and you say, gee, uh, I know that went on in my family or I know that, that, you know, that that was done to my family or to me or whatever. And you need to, you need to repent and, and forgive and release. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle and it's an attitude change. And, and that's where the transformation comes from. And that's where the fat neck comes from. Because it's the stronger you, you grow, the more you know him and the more of him that fills you and the less of you that's in there. Amen. Amen. So praise God.